Hey, today's a special day. As I said, we began with a celebration of baptism, and we're going to work our way now into focusing and continuing to focus on the Lord's Supper. So you've heard a number of the Psalms of Ascent. Again, just to remind you, these, if you didn't know, these are found Psalm 120 to 134, all right, realizing that it may not be in perfect chronological order because none of us were there when they were doing that, but it's pretty amazing, this set of Psalms and what they entail. Now, some of these are David's Psalms, such as 122, 124, 131, 133, you heard one of those read, uh, one Solomon's, and some are anonymous. Traditionally, these psalms of ascent were sung by pilgrims on the way to the journey to Jerusalem. Why journey to Jerusalem? The temple, worship, what we have been doing this morning. Why psalms of ascent? Well, uh, Jerusalem sits on a high hill, and so the long road was uphill, thus ascent. And today for us, we have sung songs related to some of these psalms. I, I feel like we have joined together with generations past today. Do you? You know there's been Christians before me and there'll be Christians after me, right? Amen? So we join with this generations past who continually have ascended, have made the pilgrimage, if you will, have looked to Jesus. And we know from the completed Word of God that He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Messiah. We might say we have joined in the holy pilgrimage today to worship Jesus. And the question today, is He worthy, is a valid one. Do you agree with that? I hope you do. When you walk out these doors today and you go through your life this week, it's a question that is relevant to our world today. It is a question that people are asking. They may shape it differently or just be thinking it, but it is a question. Who is this Jesus? Is he worthy? It is valid. And the answer, of course, is yes. Jesus is worthy of all blessing and glory and honor, just like the text said that we just Saying he is. Let's try it one more time. You don't have to sing it, but say he is. Ready? He is. Why don't you say it this time and really believe it? You weren't ready. Ready? He is. He is worthy, and we need to live that way. He is worthy. When your world is broken, he is. When the shadows deepen, he is. He is the lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is the lamb who died to ransom the slave. He is the one who is able to break the seal. He is the one who is able to open the scroll. He is our Messiah, and today we follow the biblical command Remember me, the words of Jesus, to remember me. He is worthy. And as we remember Jesus today, I just want to take a, a few minutes uh, to look at some parallels between another psalm, Psalm 22. Have you ever read Psalm 22? It's a very interesting psalm. There's parallels between Psalm 22 and Jesus on the cross. And we're going to look at a couple things and see a couple things. The first thing we're going to see is that there was real forsakenness for our sake. Secondly, Jesus was expressing desolation, not really looking for an answer, but expressing himself. And third, Jesus was fulfilling scripture amidst, can you picture this? Amidst the horror of the crucifixion, he was fulfilling scripture. He was an active 
participant, a witness of God's plan of salvation. Let's pray. God, we, we see a picture today. We've already seen the picture of baptism and how it's a symbol and it shows everyone what Jesus has done for us and given us new life. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and he is worthy. And today I pray as we focus in on the sacrifice of Jesus, what he has done for us, we will remember. God, open our hearts, our ears. God, help us not to go through the motions today, but to have a new and fresh encounter with you as we remember Jesus and his sacrifice and what he's done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Psalm 22, we'll just look at a few verses. Your assignment, your homework is to read it over and over again this week and study it, all right? But as we look, I just want to remind you, Charles Spurgeon, that great Charles Spurgeon, called this Psalm of David, Psalm 22, the Psalm of the Cross. And I think he's right. So the first section we want to look at today is real forsakenness. I hope that's a word. I think it is. My spell check on the computer did not put a little red line under it, so I'm pretty sure it is. Maybe we don't use it a lot. Why, why would I say that? Well, look at the opening phrase of Psalm 22. Is it familiar to you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That should be a familiar phrase for us, and it begins Psalm 22. As Jesus hangs on the cross near death, he utters these terrifying words, which, oh, by the way, are found in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Speaking in Aramaic. And then Matthew defines it for us. He says, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's amazing to me to think that Jesus was able to muster the strength to cry out these words in the ninth hour. It's now three o'clock. If you've seen and you've studied what had happened to him the day before, the night before, the morning, and then being on the cross, he musters these words. The exact first words of Psalm 22. Let's look at verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 22. The psalmist writes, but I am a worm. You, you wonder where that word came from. There it is. We used to have an old song we sang where we called ourselves a worm. You know, sometimes I have you look at the person next to you. I'm not going to today because <laughs> I do not want you going home upset with somebody because they called you a worm, a dirt dweller or whatever. But look at 6 and 7. But I am a worm and not a, a man. Do you see forsakenness there? I do. Scorned by mankind and despised by the people. And look at what was written in Psalm 22. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their heads. Again, let's go back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 29 through 31. Listen to Matthew's Gospel. 
They twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on Jesus' head and placed a reed in his right hand. And they knelt before him and, here it is, mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spit on him, took the reed, and kept hitting him on the head. Are you getting the picture? When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe. That's the robe they had put on him. Put his clothes on him. And led him away to crucify him. Continuing on, Matthew 27, verse 39. Fits right with the fulfillment of Psalm 22. There's a parallel there. Those who passed by were yelling insults at him. Sneering. Shaking their heads. And then we go on in Psalm 22, and and there's no commentary needed. Verse 16 flat out says, they have pierced my hands and feet. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. What parallels do we see of what Jesus did for you and for me and what's listed here in Psalm 22? Let's remember these acts done to Jesus. You know, I think sometimes we're desensitized. What about you? I have an air conditioner in my house. Do you? Maybe you don't, so I'm sorry. (laughs) Good luck getting it fixed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. Good luck. Or your car or anything else. But we, we set that how we want. Most of us slept in a bed. You know, we were able to take a bath or a shower, just all these things. Comfort that we have. We're desensitized also in the fact that uh, we're used to seeing, due to CGI and movies and TV and technology, simulated things of things exploding and blood and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, oh, whatever. Even kids shows today, right? Sometimes. But could you put yourself there at the foot of the cross and see Jesus coming and what had been done to him? Beaten until one final of death. Blood. Just picture it. And then being laid on that cross and hearing, hearing, piercing of the hands and feet. Over and over you hear it. And Jesus being placed upright on that cross. Picture it being dropped into the ground. Boom. Picture Jesus, let us remember the acts done to Jesus. And let me remind you of something. Jesus came to earth fully divine, fully man, and lived a perfect life. Of all people in the world who should not have been crucified, we, those in those days, put him on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Means God really did. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Means God really did forsake him. Jesus is bearing our sin right now. He bore our judgment. The judgment was this. The judgment was to have God the Father pour out his wrath, and instead of pouring it out on us, he pours it out on Jesus. This is abandonment. This is what wrath means. Let us not forget that forsakenness.
at Jesus' experience. Let's go to the second point. And it's this, that Jesus was expressing desolation. Secondly, the why that's there, why, the why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not really a question looking for an answer. It's a way of Jesus expressing the horrors of abandonment. Jesus knew ahead of time what he was doing. Did you know that? Do you believe that? He knew what he was doing. He knew what would happen to him. He knew why he was doing this. His father had sent him for this, this very moment. He had agreed to come, knowing all would happen. We forget that sometimes. Jesus agreed to this, knowing the end of the story. Have you ever agreed to something, but you didn't know the end of the story? And you, you look back and you go, oh, I wouldn't agree to that if I knew we were going to do that. But Jesus knew. Listen to words from the previous night, that Thursday night, John 18, 4. Then Jesus, here it is, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? He didn't hide when Peter or anyone else. He stepped forward. Whom do you seek? Jesus knew what was coming, everything. All of it. This was not a time of theological curiosity. So us theologians in the house, let's be careful not to turn this into an academic exercise, not to turn this into some study. It, it, the fact is that when the question is asked, when these things are going on with Jesus, when he utters this phrase, it is not theological curiosity. It is literally a time of agony and desolation. And yet, Jesus does something very interesting. He directly quotes the first words of Psalm 22. Now, think about that for a minute. When you're hanging on a cross, you're not saying to yourself, oh, I think I'm going to quote some scripture here. You're, I, I don't think that's it. I don't think you're thinking, let me just go through and let me just quote a, a few scriptures. This is expressing desolation. But you do vent at the worst moment of your life, you vent and you say what the Father scripted way back in Psalm 22. And Jesus knows that it's not a final cry. Let's jump down a little further. Psalm 22, look at Psalm, verses uh, 22 through 24. I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from them. Listen to this. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. As we come towards the end of Psalm 22, we begin to see this note of triumph. You see, Jesus knew what was coming, but Jesus also knew something else. In the midst of this extreme desolation, he knew how this was going to turn out. He endured this total desolation on the cross. What does Scripture say? For the joy that was set before him. I want to spend just a few moments in prayer time right now. If you are comfortable with praying with the person next to you on either side, I would ask that you'd get ready to do that. Here's what I want us to pray about for just a moment. Okay, it's prayer time. Are we good? 
I want you to acknowledge to God in your little group the forsakenness, the desolation, the agony that Jesus went, went through. So I want you to acknowledge that. And then as you're praying, I want you to thank Jesus for enduring the cross on your behalf. Ready, set, go. Pray. Lord Jesus, hear the prayers of your people, your children. We acknowledge, we remember here today together the forsakenness, the abandonment, the agony, the desolation that Jesus faced on the cross. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for enduring for us. In your name we pray, amen. Can I just say there's nothing more beautiful to a pastor's heart than, to, I couldn't understand all the words, but to hear the, I'm assuming you were praying, right? <laughs> to, to hear the mumbling out there. It's okay to pray out loud, all right? It's the beautiful. And to know that God is what? Our creator, nothing's too big for him, right? He understood every single word Spoken here and here and here and here and here and here in your, your home, online. How awesome that is. Well, let's look at one more point this morning as we remember. I entitled it, according, All According to Plan. So let's continue in Psalm 22, almost to the end. We're continuing to move on, and we see verses 27 and 28. Look at this statement made in Psalm 22, Look at the parallel to what Jesus has done for us. And look at what God has planned for future time. All the ends of the earth will remember 
and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nation. Those of us who read the Bible and study the Bible and believe it, we have a high view of Scripture. That God is sovereign and he does rule over the nations. I do want to comment quickly on this. We also know in Scripture in the New Testament that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But it will be too late for many because time will have concluded, Jesus will have come back, and judgment will come. So as you read this, please, please don't think, oh, I'm good. I'm good. Look, all of us will bow down. All of us will turn. The crux of the matter is we need to turn now if we had not. We need to turn, repent, and give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ now while we have the opportunity. Being forsaken and expressing the desolation shows that as horrible as it was, as horrible as it is for us to remember, it was all going according to plan. What plan? God's plan. All of it was the fulfillment of Scripture. Notice something. The, the worst moment in the history of the world is Scripture fulfilled. It's the fulfilling of Scripture. So finally we get to John 19.30. Think about this for a minute. John's account of what's going on. John 19.30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, do you remember? Three most powerful words. It is finished. You should have an exclamation point there. It's emphatic. It is finished. And scripture says in John 19.30, then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Now, we're not all Hebrew scholars. I'm not. I'll admit it. I have a number of tools to help me. There's a little secret there, right? But what is interesting about Psalm 22 and the final words that Jesus spoke on the cross, he said, it is finished. And it is finished echoes the very last word of Psalm 22. Asa. What does that mean? It means he has done it. It means it has been accomplished, completed. Now in English, it doesn't show that perfectly to us. But in the Hebrew text, that's the very last bit of Psalm 22. And it parallels with Jesus saying, it is finished. Can you just think about that for a moment? Only Jesus had the power to say, it is finished. I saw. Only him. It's God's rescue plan. Think about it for a minute. It's God and his plan. And Jesus fulfilling that plan. It's pretty amazing to think about. Just want you to think about that for a moment. We're going to have one more time of prayer time together with each other. And I would ask that you would 
pray this this morning in your own words in your group. Would you just pray and thank God for his rescue plan and thank Jesus Christ for completing the rescue plan. And then as the Lord leads, would you examine your life? Would you confess any sin that he has revealed to you as you thank him? So let's pray and thank God for the plan, for his mercy and grace, and thank Jesus for going through with it. Thank you. Go ahead and pray. Oh God, our God, creator of the universe, sovereign of the world, we thank you for your rescue plan. And Jesus, we thank you knowing all that would happen. You were the rescue plan and you completed it. God, as we remember today and we remember the words of Jesus, Lord, please burn our hearts with the truth of it is finished. I saw. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're now going to move into the formal time of partaking of the Lord's Supper. I hope you received one of these when you came in. There's still time to, to go to the back and, and get one if you need one. Uh, over here on the side, well, there's guys in each section that can help you. If you'd lift your hand up, if you did not get one, you were sneaky. You snuck in. We didn't see you. All right. We want to get those to you. Let me talk just for a minute. We're going to pray again, but we're going to pray individually this time. No more with somebody, just you and the Lord. We follow the command 
that Jesus said. He said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember. And so we're going to remember today as we participate. And let me just remind you something about our Lord's Supper. It's for born-again believers. Okay? If you don't understand what that means, chances are you're not one. You can observe and watch. It's for born-again believers who are remembering what their Savior and Lord has done for them. Scripture also tells us it's a time to examine ourselves. And so we're going to have another moment of examination to allow the Lord just to flow over us and reveal to us any unconfessed sin, any attitude, prejudice, thought, action that we need to confess to the Lord. And we acknowledge 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad that our Lord can do that in our life? Amen. It's not a time for saying, I'm just sorry I got caught. It's a time for true repentance. Lord, help me to turn away from that, run to you, and not go back to it. Parents, it's a teaching moment for your child who may not yet understand and have followed the Lord Jesus Christ, have personal relationship with them. It's a good teaching moment for them. So as we remember, I'd like for us to pray. And this time I'd like for you to do it individually. Would you just right where you are, get alone with God. Get alone with Him. And ask Him if there is anything that you need to be cleansed of, that you need to confess. You don't need a, a pastor. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a, a this or that. You don't need someone else. You can do that. Perhaps some of you need to say, I, Lord, I'm, I, I'm not a born-again believer. You can confess your sin. You can, at this time, give it to the Lord who died for your sin. Has the he has the power to forgive. You can, as an act of faith, God gives you faith, this faith, an act of faith, say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. Lord, take over my life. Be my boss. Be the one who controls me. You can have new life in, in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. But whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You have that relationship. You're born again. Just let God work in your life. We're going to take a few more moments of prayer. Just you and the Lord. Would you begin now, please? Thank you.
Lord, we remember today. We are thankful and grateful for your rescue plan. God, we're grateful that you not only hear our prayer, our prayer of confession, our prayer of thanksgiving, our prayers of adoration and thank that you, you hear those and you answer and you respond. So we're grateful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in just a moment, we're going to partake of these elements. If you, you peel back just a little plastic layer, uh, layer you'll, you'll get a little wafer here. And I just want to remind you that this wafer is a symbol that represents this bread, the body of Jesus. And we picture all that Jesus and his body, remember, fully divine, fully man, all that he went through for us, for salvation. And so just hold it for a minute, feel it. Be thankful for what Jesus has done. Mark 14, 22 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to him, and said something remarkable. He said, take it. This is my body. And we remember and we do that today. Carefully, you're going to peel back a little bit more the cup. And you see some juice in there. Look at the color. Look at the depth of the color. And remember, again, this is not something supernatural. This is a symbol of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us without the shedding of Jesus' blood, there's no remission there's no forgiveness of sin and so Jesus did what he needed to do he gave us the example that night long ago when in Mark 14 23 and 24 it says this then he took the cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them and so they all drank from it and he said to them this is my blood that establishes the covenant it is shed for many. And as we prepare to take it, would you just remember that you have the opportunity to be one of the many. All these years later, it's shed for us. Isn't that amazing? So today we remember what Jesus did in the shedding of his blood. response now I'm going to be down front we have some folks on either that'll be here on either side and it's just an opportunity for us to have one last focus here this morning and asking God what are you saying to me today if you've pondered that statement born again believer and are wondering about it we'd love to talk to you now 
or after the service or, or whenever we can do that. So I want to ask that you would stand right now. Perhaps God has revealed something in your life and you'd just like to pray with a brother or sister. Perhaps uh, now you're even more thankful and you remember what the Lord has done for you. Perhaps this can be a time of celebration and joyfulness in your heart as you remember what Jesus has done. So let's take a moment. I'll be down front. Others will. And have a time of response. So just focus on the Lord, please. Thank you so much for that time of reflection. You may be seated for just a moment. I have a conviction and a passion that when we remember, we really focus in on our Lord's Supper and what it means. So thank you for doing that. Uh, those of you with kiddos, it's some, this service is sometimes a little tough because it seems somber. It's not really, but it is serious. And so we're grateful for you doing that. But I, I, I want to end on a... A slightly more peppy note, if I can now, and just ask the question, is he worthy? Yes. Look at you guys. You didn't know that was going to happen. Now, for your neighbor who wasn't paying attention, is he worthy? Yes. He is. When your world is broken, he is. When the shadows deepen, he is. He is the Lion of Judah. What did he do? He conquered the grave. He is the lamb who died to ransom the slave. He is the one who's able to break the seal. He is the one who's able to open the scroll. He is our Messiah. Today we remember and we have remembered what Jesus has done for us. So thank you so much for being here and participating in this service.